Welcome to Journey Elgin of Elgin, Texas, where we are living life in Christ, impacting His kingdom. Our service times are Thursdays at 7 p.m. and Sundays at 10.30 a.m. Today's message is My Journey. Here's Derek Bowman. Let me start off by saying this. A couple months ago, I came to pick up my oldest daughter, Michaela, from youth. And uh, she ran out of the door. I'm tired. I know that. I have to go home and deal with some stuff. But she comes out, but not far behind her. Philip. Again, I don't know why he did this. <laughs> but he comes running out. And he's got a big smile on his face. And he's talking to me, and he says, I want to put something on your head. I want you to think about this. I want you to think. In a couple months, I want you to speak to our congregation. I want you to speak from your heart. I know you can do it, but he has that smile that we all come to love. But when he asked me, he was smiling. And he could see on my face that there was uncertainty, there was fear. But I was like, <laughs> okay, we're going to try this out. And so he looked at me and said, you don't have to do it. Give me a couple, couple weeks, let me know. And before I could even say anything, he said, hey, there's no pressure. No pressure at all. We all know Phil, that's how he does it. <laughs> so... On my way home, I pulled the car out. Michaela's sitting there. She smiles. She's shocked just like I am. And I called my mom. I called my dad. I called my sister. All within one mile from this place. <laughs> and they all told me the same thing. This is probably your time. It's probably your time for you to get up and speak and to give your message and what you want to actually present. So I'm thinking, I'm like, ah, all right, we'll see how this goes. So I get home, my wife, Lindsay, she's standing in the kitchen, and I tell her, and I'm still shocked, still trying to figure out what in the world was Phil thinking when he told me this stuff. I just couldn't understand it. She told me everything that my family had told me back home. Pray about it. Maybe this is your time. Maybe this is God saying, hey, this is your time. Tell your story. So a couple days later, I'm sitting at my desk, and I'm wondering, I'm like, still in shock, trying to figure out what is it that I'm going to bring to this congregation for them to understand where I'm coming from, and I just don't know what I'm doing. So I'm sitting there, and I see this passage, or I see this pamphlet, I should say, and it has this symbol. And on the top of it, just like this, it has the word journey on it. Automatically, I sit back and I'm like crying and laughing all at the same time. You would think that I was crazy. Couldn't understand it. Why? When I'm sitting here praying and I'm accepting what God is actually asking me to do and what he wants me to do, I'm sitting here and I'm just like, he gave me my message. I automatically start crying. But not from the standpoint of what you think. I was laughing because I knew God was telling me, 
can't run from this anymore. You can't run from what I have for you. But I was crying because I also looked back at my journey. And that's what we're going to deal with today is my journey. And you might be going through the same thing. But my journey might connect with somebody in this crowd. But my favorite story in the Bible comes from Luke 15. It's the prodigal son. It's how I feel it correlates with my life. If you don't know the story, I'll give you a little example of what it is or of everything that's going on. You have a father, you have two sons. You have a young son who's probably really ambitious and all that. He asks his father for his, his, his part of his inheritance. And in that, he asks for it knowing probably his father's going to say no. But to his surprise, his father says yes. Within the next day, he's out the door. He packs his stuff, moves off to a far land. In that time, he actually blows all of his money, living wildly, doing things that probably he shouldn't have been doing. By the time he actually finishes all of his stuff, there's a famine that wipes across the land. So he gets to his lowest point. He goes to ask the farmer for for work. It gets so bad, he's having to eat what the pigs eat. So he wises up and he goes home and probably on his way back to the house, his father sees him in the far distance and he runs to him and he says, you're home. So in that time, his father is celebrating. He's telling his servants, go kill a a calf. We're going to celebrate your brother being home. So the servant runs and he's done what he's told and the older brother that hadn't left, he looks at his father and he's like, hey, I think my sister would do the same thing. Hey, I've stayed here and I've done everything that you've asked me to do. I'm not understanding. Why are you sitting back and celebrating? And I thought these two verses come from Luke 15. The last two verses are 30, 30, uh, 31 and 32. And it reads, um, his father explains and he says, his father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he's found. Just those two simple verses right there. I was just like, couldn't understand it. I, I knew God had given it to me. So. I want to start off by telling you my story. Again, I come from a traditional background. Uh, I think Mark and I, when I first got here, we kind of said the same thing. Traditional black church, there's no reason for me to be here. I came here. I was like, this is so weird. I'm not getting it. I don't know what it's about. But I was traditional black church. And so my dad is a pastor. I think that's why Phil did it, too. Just being honest. I told him my background. I told him what was going on. I told him what I was running from. But when I was younger, my dad was always pressuring me to go into the ministry, go do what I needed to do as far as getting my degree in theology and doing all that. I thought that's what I wanted to do. So I actually go, and I'm, 
I'm talking to people, hundreds of people at church. And I'm just like, this is what I want to do. I'm praying. I'm talking about maybe 10, age 10. I want to go and be a pastor. I want to have my own church. I want to fellowship. I want to mentor to a lot of people. But then things didn't go that way. I started to play football. I started to do things my way. And instead of doing things the way that God would want me to do, I finally just said, you know what? This God is not, he's not for me. I'm not going to do this. So in playing football, I started getting notoriety and started being good, started being on TV, started doing what I was supposed to be doing. But at the same time, I'm still not praising God. I've turned my whole back on God. I don't even want to know this God thing. There's no reason for me to do it. In doing that, instead of giving God the praise and giving him what I needed to give him, I totally just said, forget it. And so in doing that, I get to my senior year. I meet this girl. I'm thinking she's everything. She's my one and only. And instead of going to college where I should have gone, I stayed behind for this young lady. The day before, my wife will tell you, she laughs at me. The day before, I leave to go to college. We make a pact. I say, I'm going to come home every single weekend. I'm going to so in love. You're mine, girl. You're mine. Bags are even packed from school. I get a phone call. Ah, this is not going to work. Breaks it off. So I'm torn. I'm like, God, why are you doing this to me? Why? What am I doing? What have I done wrong? I, didn't, I followed everything you said, but still, I'm still questioning God, still blaming him for all the things that are going bad in my life at that particular time. So what he does, and I think God in a lot of ways has the best sense of humor anybody in this room, anybody in this world could have. Amen. What he does is while I'm sitting in my room and I'm depressed and all that, I'm still having to go to football practice, still having the two days, but I walk into the gym, and that beautiful young lady sitting right there was playing volleyball. I'll never forget it. The, the, the girl's name, I don't even remember her name, but when I saw her, it was over. It was it. I was like, oh, okay. Maybe there's something to this. So as time went by, as time went by, got on the dean's list, started doing real good in school, then bam, football is over. I started having concussions. Started just, it was almost like a, didn't, it wasn't funny anymore. Football was just football. And then the concussions didn't, didn't help. I started having severe concussions. You can hit me with a pillow. My family laughs at me now. You can hit me with a pillow. I'm concussed. So I give football up. By this time, I automatically say, you know what? I turn my whole back on God. I stop praying. I stop getting in my word. I stop doing whatever it is that I need to do to stay connected to God. And in that time, doing that, and I know there's a lot of people in the world that do that. I know that right now it would seem that if you're not in your word and you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, God is just not there for you. And that's what I thought. God is not there for me. I'm, I'm just going to leave it alone. I'm going to leave the word, I'm going to stop praying, I'm going to do what I want to do. And in doing that, I turned to the wrong stuff. I started drinking. I started just doing all the stuff that you're not supposed to be doing. 
So as time went by, I get into my junior year, they've taken away my scholarship. I'm blaming God now. It gets to a point to where I didn't even know whether I even wanted to be on this earth. Everything was just not the way I planned it because it was the way I planned it. Not his word, not his grace, not anything that he destined for me was happening because I was doing it my way. So as time went by, like I said, we had Michaela and moved back to Arlington and I got a job and I fall down some stairs one night. I ruptured two discs in my back. Had to have surgery. Couldn't work, couldn't do anything, felt less of a man. Couldn't do, I mean, absolutely nothing. All I did was sit on the couch and, uh, yeah. <laughs> couldn't do anything. I felt less of a man. My wife is trying to pull, pull me out. The kids are just like, come on, Dad, let's do this, let's do that. I don't want to do anything. I'm blaming him. They would try to pray for me, even when I couldn't pray for myself. My family would sit back and say, hey, come on, let's pray. If God is not in this, how are you still here? If he's not here with you, Amen. how are you still here? Amen. I still didn't want to hear that. I would laugh at him. She would pray for me. My mom would pray for me. People that I didn't know were coming up to me praying for me. And I was just like, hmm, there's no reason for you, for you to do that. I don't even believe it anymore. There's no reason for it. So I remember this day perfectly. February 2nd, 2014. I'm sitting on the couch. I had just taken the kids to school. I was at home, Dad. Um, I sat on the couch, and I was just wondering, and I was just praying to God, like, I'm not with him, but I'm like, God, if you're there, let me know. I just don't know. I couldn't understand what was going on. But let me know, God. Let me know what you, what you have for me. I went and looked in the mirror, and I couldn't recognize who I was. And in that moment, I heard the TV in the background, and I heard this man preaching. I don't know how it got on that channel, but for some reason, it got on there. And there was a man named Ron Carpenter that said, there's a man out there right now. He's struggling. He doesn't know where he's at. He doesn't know what he's doing. I need you to pray for him. I need you to pray for him. He doesn't know what he's doing right now. I fell to my knees, and I was just like, oh. okay, God, I'm hearing you. I'd always told my family I would never move to Elgin, Texas. <laughs> never. I didn't want to be in Elgin. I didn't want to be in Austin. But that night at dinner, we were sitting down and we were talking, we were having a conversation. I said, Lindsay, you know what? I know I said I'd never do this, but God said it's time for you to be uncomfortable. I'm going to put you in a situation where wherever it is that you go, I'm going to be uncomfortable, Lindsay. You tell me what I need to do. I said, if a, if a job comes up, I don't care if it's in Elgin, I don't care if it's in San Antonio, out of state, you take it. I'm going. I'm heading with you. He said, okay. Within two months, this is how God works. And I said that sense of humor is just phenomenal. In two months, 
God supplied her with a job. And guess where it is? Elgin, Texas. I was like, oh. <laughs> here it is. So instead of just saying no and not following what God was saying, I automatically just said, you know what, Lindsay? I think I fought you a little bit, right? Just a little bit. Just a little. Okay. I fought her just a little bit, but then I said, you know what? This is God's making. I can't run it, run from it. So if you say we have to go, let's go. Within that two months, we searched for a place, got down there, August 2014. They're still praying for me. I'm still trying to work out of it. But at the same time, I'm still saying, I don't believe in God. There's no way. No absolute way. I mean, I don't care if. God has talked to me. I'm still want to do it my way. Because God, at this point, he's failed me. I'm still going to listen. But at the same time, I'm going to do it my way. So we move down here. I get a job. And I'm working at the track. I'm working at um, Circuits of America. And I'm working the graveyard shift. And I'm telling you, I'm dealing with all kinds of stuff. I don't even want to get into it. But I'm dealing with a lot of stuff. But at that time, I'm, I'm going at the nighttime and it's pitch dark black and God is saying, are you ready for me yet? You've done it your way. Are you ready for me? He said, okay, I'm going to listen. He said, what I want you to do is I want you to go home and kiss your wife. I want you to, those people that were praying for you, tell them thank you. Tell them that you were listening to them. You're obviously listening to me. Tell them that you're listening to them. So I said, okay. I go home, kiss Lindsay, kiss the kids. I'm doing everything that he asked me to do. November rolls around. We host an event in County Line, or not County Line, excuse me, Elm Creek. And this bald man comes up and he says, hey, we're, we're in Elgin now. Um, we have a church. We're hosting an event. We're, we're here. We want you guys to come out and check us out, but we host these events, and we just want you guys to come and fellowship with us. We're here on Sundays. We were, at that time, I had started to try to work myself out of my depression and, and all that, and we were going to Austin Stone. But the drive, trying to get up every single morning, making excuses about why we couldn't, couldn't go, we just stopped going. And then that one time that Phil came and said, I want you to join Journey Elgin. We were here within two weeks. We've been at this church for a year. I'm still questioning God at this time, but at the same time, he's starting to talk really vividly in my head. And I'm like, okay, maybe I should listen. There's something to this. My family's obviously on board with them. Why can't I be? So we join Elgin. I mean, we, we come here. We love the atmosphere. All you beautiful faces, laughing, smiling. The second we opened the door, you guys were arms open. Come in. Let's go. We're here for you. Some might never feel, even in my dad's church, I didn't even feel that way. So I said, we have to start. This is God. This is God working right here. But I'm still questioning. 
Is this what he really wants? Let me tell you how funny God is. One day my car broke down. My uh, wife had to take me to work. And this is before I started working from home. Sorry about that. Um, car breaks down. I didn't know what the girls were doing. But she, always, she says to me, she says, Derek, watch this. That's okay. She said, okay, who's first? I'm like, who's first? It's six in the morning. Who's first? She said, who's first? And the kids, you know how we used to do back in the day. When you knew the answer, you raise your hand. You go, oh, me, 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 me. Oh, me. I'm here. All the girls did that in the car. And I'm like, what are they doing? What's going on? She said, uh, just this is our routine. They still do it to this day. And it amazes me. This is how I knew God was present in our life. My youngest daughter, Riley, she gets to go first. She starts praying automatically. She starts praying. And when she's praying, she's praying for the whole family. She's praying for daddy. I'm the first one praying for daddy, praying for mommy. I'm praying to have a good day at school. I'm praying that we have a good lunch. I was like, that's my child. She's praying for everything. And instead of ending the prayer saying, amen, she skips to the next person. The next person is Brianna, my middle child. She starts praying. She goes through her whole spill. By this time, my face is just in awe. Like, my kids get it. I don't even get it. I don't even get it. So it skips from... Brianna goes to Michaela. She starts to pray. By this time, I'm, my eyes are getting watery. I'm kind of an emotional guy, you could say. And while she's praying, tears are running down my face. It gets to Lindsay. Lindsay is, she's praying. And she says, okay, Derek, you finish it off. I look at her. Kind of with the face that I gave Phil. I'm like, no. It's not happening. Not this morning. It's too early. But I finished the prayer. But by this time, God has like brought himself into my heart to where when I started praying, I couldn't hold back. We prayed for almost 30 minutes in that car before she dropped me off at work. In that time, after we prayed, she said, okay, you ready? Ready? She's pepping everybody up. Are you ready? Let's go. Who's first? I'm like, it's not over yet? Are you serious? It's not over yet? She starts putting on music. She lets the kids put on music. And it was gospel music. It was music that we were listening to here. Oh, my Lord. They've gotten it before me. How did, I get, how did I get this family? How did I do it? God was actually listening to my prayer even before I left for college. I was praying for the wrong thing. I was praying for a girl to stay with me and all that. But what he did was he took that girl out of my life and put that girl in my life. And if, it's not, if he's not in it, right. it's all going to crumble. That's right. And he knew that. I didn't know it. He did So when he put her in my life and everything was going downhill and she was praying for me, 
God was speaking through her to get to me. And so as they're listening to these songs that morning, they're like, Daddy, you have a song that you want to play? And I'm like, okay, I'm going to play this game. I'm going to actually do, I'm going to go in order. So I play my favorite song. And by this time, guys, I'm going to be honest with you, I cry like a baby. I did. I can admit it. I cry like a baby. I had snot coming down the thing. I did. Sorry. I'm sorry. But I did. It was a bad look altogether. But at this time, I knew this is where I needed to be. And I think that's where Christians need to get. I think we look at... We look at what's going on in the news. We look at what's going on in our world. And we're like disenfranchised with what God is actually saying. Instead of actually just saying, you know what? God is here in everything. In everything. And at the end of the day, if we just give it to him, the news, the government, all that stuff, what are you worrying about? If God is in it, he's got us. So, I would challenge you guys. I told you I wasn't gonna, I'm not going to keep you long. But I want to tell you my story. I'm here today, standing on this stage, because God placed me on this stage to talk to you guys and to get you guys to understand that you might have your own journeys that you're going through. You might have gone through a journey. You might be still in the journey. But at the same time, if you know that God is in it, what are you worried about? Find your own journey keep going. I'm Derek Bowman. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Journey Elgin. Come check us out. We're located at 1221 North Avenue C, Elgin, Texas, 78621. You can contact us at www.journeyelgin.org or call us at 512-661-8411. That's 512-661-8411. We hope to see you soon, and may God bless you.